0: I hear a girl. I scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. It's scaring is sharing. It's scaring is sharing. Uh, you know what time it is, little maniacs? is another episode of Scaring is Sharing. Yes,
1: the podcast where we share spooky news and frightful views with each other and you about all things horror. And sometimes things that aren't. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're lucky. If you're lucky, you get a window <laughs>
0: into our personalities, who we are beyond the horror movies. Although, there's really not much beyond the horror movies. There, I mean, truly, there <laughs> isn't. At least not for
1: us. The no. Scare Boys. The Scare Jeremy, Boys. the original Sasquatch Slim Rusk. And Brandy Gel planback, the Flame and Scream Queen himself. And if you didn't know, I'm the Flame and Scream Queen, okay?
0: Mm -hmm. The flamiest,
1: the screamiest, the queeniest. All good things. (laughs) Happy horror days, Jeremy. Happy horror days to you too. (laughs) I watched a horror film, a Christmas horror film for the first time this week. Oh, what'd you want? Because someone um, had posted an Instagram story featuring like one of those old ads, like from mm-hmm. like a newspaper from the '80s, called Pranks, and it had like this girl like with wide eyes, like kind of like screaming. And I was like, "Ooh, what's that?" So I like look it up, and it is actually like the way you can find it is the dorm that dripped blood. Oh, I've heard that. And title. I started watching it, and then the title card reads "Death Dorm." So it literally has three names. It's one of those, because in Blood Rage, like the actual title <laughs> yes. card imprinted is what?
0: Yeah. In Blood Rage, the actual title card says Slasher, I think. Right. right? And then right?
1: also, it's also known as a third title as well. Yeah, like, but, but it was on Lover's Lane or whatever.
0: Yeah. It was released as uh nightmare at uh, like Shadowwood Inn or whatever. Yeah. Yes. yes, yep.
1: That's so great. Like what was up with uh, the early eighties having like, identity crises
0: yeah i couldn't settle on a title and i think all of that kind of stuff comes from distributors like once the movie's made like usually it's written and or shot under a title and then you take it out there and you want to get it you know into the uh, theater market and distributors are like no nah, i hate that title change it i think that's when that starts to happen so and that's like, sort of st- i get
1: that movies change names of course yes. you know but it is just the fact that it says, like, I would just think whatever is imprinted on the film is what you would make yeah. the box say and everything like that, but... This is why listen. usually
0: two, like, big Hollywood movie you know, with tons of money from the Hollywood machine, uh, they decide on that title early in, you know, while it's, uh, before it's even finished, so that the marketing you know, uh, team can go out and actually have, you know, know what they're talking about, so... For so sure. For big movies, it's a nightmare to change title, like, once you've kind of hit one and then start uh start
1: production under it they're mm-hmm. like nope
0: that's it that's the title so
1: um but this film is not good it is boring okay. it is not good it is All right. it is bad <laughs> so i do not one out of one does not recommend but so don't but it's funny because it takes place like over like a christmas break uh-huh. And you see, like, Christmas lights from time to time, but no one ever says, like, as, like, they're leaving college, because it's like this group stays mm-hmm. behind to, like, clean out this dorm before it gets, like, tore down or something. And no one ever says, like, happy holidays. Oh. <laughs> like, no one ever, even though they mention that it's around Christmas at some point, and you see Christmas sure. lights, like, it's never never really mentioned other than peripherally but still Mm -hmm. i thought i saw that it was like sort of like a christmas horror movie slasher and i was like oh i'm watching lots of lots of them that i haven't seen before and they're mostly just not good which is why you don't hear about them
0: Mm
1: -hmm. there Mm -hmm. you go Mm -hmm. um and i saw on instagram i don't remember which account it was but someone had this very gruesome clip from this movie called christmas cruelty have you heard of this film I've heard that title too. I feel like it's like German or something. Yeah. And it's I guess it's like starts off very extreme. Mm-hmm. And then there's a long chunk where there's nothing happening.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: just like some people getting like high and partying and stuff and then the end gets real like brutal again. But there's like a couple instances of like rape and oh, So yeah, okay. I'm like intrigued cuz the clip I saw was like Wow, that's, like, some crazy shit right there. So, mm-hmm. kind of made me want to watch it, but... We'll see. I think I have to, like, rent it on YouTube. But I'm, like, in this, like, vein of watching all these Christmas horror films that I've not seen before, so maybe. Maybe? Okay. What about you? What have you watched? Uh, yes. Yeah, so... Sure. The main thing, we talked about this last week,
0: uh, now I have watched it since, so I did watch Come and See. Uh the uh, war movie we talked right. talking about last week. And yes. it's, 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 it ends up in these lists with other, like often with horror movies that are considered, you know, so disturbing. Uh, people will never even want to watch this movie or like if you do, one time is enough. So I finally watched Come and See, which has lived in my brain since college as a pretty like, okay, this is like an intense movie that's gonna uh, blow you away. And like, r- yeah, it's heavy. Like, by the time it's over, I was just like, holy shit. I think that was the only uh, words I had. Um, Did you watch it alone? I imagine your wife didn't want to watch that. I did, yeah. Oh, no, my wife will never want to watch this. But it is heavy. Like, the darkest of the dark, probably, like, at times you feel like you could be watching a documentary. Because it feels so matter-of-fact about what it's presenting from, you know... In the short, it's set in uh, what is now the country Belarus during World War II, uh, which... uh, in the, er, in the early 40s, at the start of World War II, it suffered uh, heavy uh, losses from uh, the Nazis invading, like that was the chunk of where they uh, attacked the Soviet Union, as it was at the time, uh, and then proceeded, of course, to commit a genocide against the native population that was there, uh, and this movie uh, is about a young boy who joins this group of partisans, he wants to join the partisans that are fighting against the Nazis, uh, and his mom's telling him, oh, don't do it and he goes and then it's just non-stop. He sees like the atrocities that are going on, like the actual what this war is about. Uh, and apparently the filmmaker that was something he wanted to do. He was a young boy during World War II and he thought like in the and he's a Russian filmmaker so in the Soviet Union. Um, and this also is true of a lot of American movies, but he said that at the time the Russian movies depicting the war were all just about how awesome the russian partisans were and they were like adventure films and stuff like that and he wanted to make a movie that showed more what the real experience was like for people where war is just awful and it's uh there's no relief during it so um yeah it's heavy uh, I would say, if you want to watch it, like, read about it first to, like, trigger warning, because there's there's just so many things in it that I wouldn't want to spring on somebody that has, like, no knowledge of what this movie is about or, like, what mm-hmm. they're going to witness. I wouldn't say it's any more, like, graphically violent or anything like that than, like, a lot of the horror movies we watch. It's just nature of it uh the violence that's in there where you realize other depicting things that actually happened and this is horrible uh what people can do to each other so um there you go but that movie got me thinking because throughout i would say in college and like through my 20s I feel like the thing to do if you were the kind of person like us into horror movies and like, what do you want to call it? Extreme cinema, I guess, or interested, Mm -hmm. curious about those things. um, That used to be like a badge honor. like That used to be the thing people did. like You started with, especially in horror, uh, you know, what's your entry? Like Texas Chainsaw, the original. Uh, And then you start to learn about other 70s, you know, exploitation, like Last House on the Left and stuff like that. Uh, And then people are like, oh, if you want more extreme more crazy you got to go to like lucio fulci's stuff in italy and cannibal holocaust and and then you just keep going down this rabbit hole often of i find in foreign films but are people still into that that's what i was pondering like the movies i used to hear the names like cannibal holocaust uh what else will i throw in that category necromantic yeah that's Um, what i was thinking
1: that yeah. was my entry point as a kid and i watched like five minutes of it it was too much
0: yeah but i did watch
1: it as like a like a like i was probably like in ninth or tenth grade mm. i fucking rented that
0: yeah um taxidermia that's another one that popped in my head that i remember was it's a, like a i think that's a a, a check uh check movie that uh gets listed in these lists where it's like sort of a horror movie but not really but it has like graphic violence and sex in it to a point that's pretty, you know, shocking. Um, so yeah, like, is that is that still a thing? Are we still yeah. about the the extreme or has it that gotten more underground? Because I feel like that was a huge component of my existence in my 20s and like the horror world was like, what's well, the most fucked up thing you've ever seen? But I'm oh, not yeah. sure that... that's
1: still a thing. I think yeah. especially given how vast and wide the world is, mm-hmm. I think it will always be a thing somewhere. I just think it's going to be Go come and go in waves, and depend on your culture and whatnot. But I think it's still mm-hmm. a thing. I okay. think it's maybe evolved. Like I think Gasper, whatever. No,
0: is. yeah, Gasper. No,
1: yeah. Yes, I would I throw him like into he, there too. Yes, but he's still making films. I mean, mm-hmm. people still talk about climax. Like just the other day, my the cast of Jingle Babs the show at the Ringwald, they were all going off about how great it was. And I was like, no, they were like, we got to watch this with you. Like someone else in the show hadn't seen it. I'm like, no, you're like, it's not my jam. (laughs) But some people just love it. And oh man, it just made me so angry. Yeah. And not like, because of the actions that people take, I just truly, and I've never been like, you didn't enjoy accidentally dosed by a large amount of LSD unknowingly, Mm -hmm. but I still don't feel that the people and, in this situation would have acted like they did. Like I thought it was all extreme for extreme sake, which I think is a lot of what he seems to do. Yeah, it's his often his but thing. It's yes. his thing. Um, I've got yeah. some questions about come and see. Yeah, sure, sure. Well first of all, I want to say I think the theme is listen to your mom. Mother uh-huh. knows best. Uh, yes. But also <laughs> like I've like the thing that stands out to me from what I've seen, which is um like Spooky Astronaut. I love her on YouTube. I watch a lot of her videos and she has a couple of videos list videos about like like the most disturbing films that aren't horror films or whatever which is how i first heard about come and see and yeah. so like all the imagery of the lead boy i thought oh my god he looks so young and i was like surely he wasn't that young and i looked it up and he was like 15 or 14 when they shot it like yes. he is young Yeah, young yeah he is, is he like- really good though like he has such, like he just his face Oh you God! See, you perfect for that. You,
0: you believe it because so much yeah. of the movie, the director. I mean, in the one hand, this is a art house film. Like it is shot beautifully, you know, artistically. They took care to decide what they're doing. A lot of times, it's referred to as surrealism because mm. he didn't he didn't follow a lot of filmmaking rules, like intentionally to give this a more surreal feel. So there's like jump cuts, or uh, there's discontinuity between shots. Where in one scene the characters are like standing next to each other, and the next shot, you know, they're not anywhere near each other, you know, stuff like that, which is just playing with the formality of film. Um, but it, it relies heavily on close-ups of people's faces, which I think was by design to like really drive home the, you know, humanity that's destroyed during war. Uh, yeah. But often it is his haunted expression, which looks so authentic. And it might have been because they shot apparently in really harsh conditions, like out in the wilderness in uh, in Belarus. Uh, so yeah, he, he really delivers.
1: And that poster, I don't know if that's the poster on the yeah ray. Yeah, it, it looks like a horror film. Like it looks like some it does. Star Wars movie with like the villain. Like, yes, it, like with that kind of golden halo and like the pinks and blues and reds coming on his face, and then how the title is just tiny. Come and see, like on his furled brow. Like yes. it is a brilliant poster. Yeah, like I. I love it. It, It's
0: very good. Um, I do know if you are interested, you can watch the entire movie for free on YouTube Mm. uh, because it's um, uh, Moss film, which is the Russian uh, film studio, Moscow film. They have it uh, on their uh, YouTube
1: site for free, for free. You can just watch the whole thing. And I know I've I was not say ranted and raved. That's not really true. I've raved about Next of Kin that we did a little while back. And that whole thing in high definition is available on YouTube, too. If you search Next of Kin, 1980, whatever it was. And, um, like, if you search by length, you can find it. It's just, it's there, and it looks great. So I know lots of people were asking. I think it was on Freebie or Tubi or one of those fuckers, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One of those gross fuckers. (laughs) One of the ones with commercials. (laughs) So, I um, I don't know if you read this or not, but... And I think you know about this, especially being a film student, that Stephen King used to have this program called Dollar Baby.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. We talked about this... Uh,
1: we I actually learned we about it po-
0: in film school.
1: Okay. <laughs> we did, um, yeah. Because, like, you would pay a dollar, and you could have the rights to any Stephen King short story and do film it. Mm-hmm. It just couldn't be, like, distributed. You know, mm-hmm. people couldn't pay for it. It was all, like... Had to it be just student- the coolest thing, yeah. Yeah,
0: it had to be like a student film or a, uh, mm-hmm. you know, d- totally just independent film, so. And
1: as of this month, it has been disbanded. Oh, which they is finally such a bummer. ended it? Yeah, he's like, anything that is, any contracts or whatever that have been pre- signed from... Here in the past, or like, you know, well, we're honoring them, but moving forward, we're not. So I read this article about it, and it's just so fascinating because he was so all for it. And like, his, like, all of his people were like, this is a nightmare. We can't do this. And he was like, no, mm-hmm. I want people to like have the chance to do this because so many people had hit him up. And I just, I just think that's so fucking cool. Like, I mean, I could understand that maybe legally and things like that, your people, your publicist, your lawyers, mm-hmm. your all of that, like, could be like worried about all of the possible things that could go down. Um, but what a cool thing. And it lasted for a long time. So yes. I just wish there was, and I bet a lot of these are probably on YouTube because that would probably be something you could do is put yeah. it up on YouTube.
0: Oh sure, you could put it anywhere. You just couldn't make money off of it. I think was the terms of the uh, yeah. Because people put them in like film festivals and stuff like that. Just as long as you don't make money on it, you're uh, you can do whatever you want with it.
1: And the article mentioned, and I remember seeing this VHS as a kid, but I never rented it. Stephen King's Night Shift Collection, and there was a mm. VHS because mm-hmm. that's when all of these requests started to come in with Night Shift. And yes, um, what's the other one? There's another short story. Uh, skeleton crew skeleton crew thank you a lot and so and i think like frank darabont did like one or yes. something like that right like the boogeyman or something like that yeah that's how
0: darabont became friends with stephen king was that's uh right. he, he did one of those student filmmaker uh or a young up and coming filmmaker and uh they started a correspondence and that said frank darabont turned into arguably the best adapter of stephen king that's ever or at least most critically lauded adapter For of sure. Stephen king that's ever existed you know with the green mile and shawshank redemption he's uh he's up there
1: so yeah i think that dollar baby was so cool i mean the fact that it existed at all is awesome um yeah but i i kind of want to go down a dollar baby rabbit hole now
0: yeah i feel like we watched some of them in uh one of my film classes but it, it's so hard like I go back and try to remember like all the things that we ever watched or studied and it's so hard cuz it was so much especially uh, short especially short films there were so many short films we watched and I do not remember the titles of any of them just like the briefest snip snippets of them so I think some of the dollar babies were in there I just don't remember which ones now Yeah
1: um the other bit of fun news is that Jennifer Love Hewitt said that she would be like, so down to come back to do, and I still, or I know what you did last summer, remake. Yeah, <laughs> or, which like, I. Sequel. Which see, had already sort of been said.
0: Yeah, which had already been said, but then it came out that actually, no, they hadn't secured any of the past actors. And then, yeah. and then there was chatter of whether this thing was even actually happening or not. Like, it keeps going back and forth, whether this is an active or, a li- or uh, alive or a dead project. And I don't know. I hope it happens.
1: I think in the wake of everything that's gone down with Scream and how that's probably not going to move forward like it was, if at all, Mm -hmm. I think it would be the super smart thing
0: to do last
1: summer and like make it better because like neither the first one's fine and fun. Of course, the Helen Shivers chase sequence is top-notch. Aside from that, I don't think it's very good. Oh, yeah. Uh, No, it's
0: the cheesy younger brother of Scream is what it is. Oh, my God. So So cheesy.
1: So I would love for someone to do a a legacy sequel and make it so fucking good.
0: Yeah, and it's possible to do that. I mean, we we saw it with the Scream franchise come back and be good. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you it, it can be done with these uh 90 slashers, yeah. So I'm
1: holding out for a hero on that. Awesome. Um, one other thing I don't know if you watched it, but the good old kill count with James A. Janice, who mm-hmm. we love, um, he did one on Too Many Cooks. Did you watch it? No, I saw the ad spore oh leading God, up it to it, but I haven't so watched it fun. yet. I do so want to watch much it in there that I didn't know, and I totally, I mean, it is it's like a, it's a surreal little slasher short film. Yes, 100%. There's some brilliant things in there. He said when it first played, which you probably know this, but I don't think I did. It did happen at like the 2am marker on comedy. No, adult um, swim, adult swim. Like it just came on. So people probably thought it was like some new show. And then like, I just think that's so brilliant that it just popped on with no one knowing. And then like the next day it started to like sort of catch fire.
0: Yeah, I love that. I don't know if they still do that because I don't have cable, so I can't watch Adult Swim anymore. But uh, I love that they used to do that back in the day was make weird shorts and stuff like that and just play them without any fanfare, without any uh, advertising and just see what it and what didn't. Because they got tons that just kind of happened. And you're like, did that even exist? Like, I remember watching that, but no one talked about it. So, Yeah.
1: And I know we've talked about this as well, but like unedited footage of a bear. For sure I would have like fast forwarded or turned the channel had that just popped on Adult Swim. Because it uh-huh. starts off with that bear and then it's like an infomercial or like a regular commercial that goes on too long. I mm. would not have watched it. Yeah. And then we did we watch the Yule Time log? Did you did you watch that? I know I watched it. No, that. you watched it. I still
0: haven't watched that. I gotta go oh, okay. back and actually check that out it's
1: too long just fyi it yeah it goes it's, on and on and on
0: i know it's pretty long but everyone was like it's awesome so i'll have to check it yeah, out at some right. point
1: um but yeah i love i love too many cooks and unedited unedited footage of a bear which i just it's so much darker than too many cooks but oh man uh-huh. i love it i can dig into it quite a bit awesome I think gets creepy as fuck what else? Do you have any other news to share or views that you've viewed? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: I did see chatter online that because I just mentioned this, uh Godzilla minus one, which I haven't seen yet, but uh actually the the day that we are recording, I'm going this afternoon yes. to see it. So I'm very excited. But I, I know I was talking about people chattering about Oscars. Buzz yes. for it, and it looks like there is some news that it has allegedly been submitted for best visual effects. So it's in the running there as they're uh, creating the Oscars list now, uh, at the very least. So I think it will be represented in the Oscars, which is wild to think like a Godzilla movie has made
1: it to that point. So I'm still bummed that Terrifier two didn't get.
0: I know, <laughs> yeah. After that huge campaign they launched, Arch- I know. Maybe, which was maybe funny. Maybe Terrifier three. Yeah, maybe. There's always three. But yeah, it it it, it looks like it's coming true, that Godzilla Minus One. uh, yeah. It's it's now the best rated Godzilla movie on Letterboxd. So. And
1: it has some records over in Japan, too, as far as box office goes. Yeah, yeah. It's really starting to... Uh, it, it seemed like
0: it had kind of a slow start, like from what I was reading in Japan. But it's picking up at the box office there. It's a surprise smash hit in the US, yeah. so much so that they're extending... The theatrical window. They're they're even saying that the plan is as long as people are buying tickets, they're going to keep it in theaters in the United States. So yeah, uh, I was
1: shocked because I know I was like, well, if Shin Godzilla didn't do well, this isn't going to do well. And then like I looked and had Beyonce not been around, it would have been number one. Like that's crazy. I I think that's at least that was the opening day. I can't remember if the weekend if it came out at number two, but it did fucking good. Yeah, it did. It it is shocking
0: because every time a Japanese made Godzilla in recent memory, they've only done it with I think two others in recent years because Shin Godzilla was released theatrically in the US uh, and it, like you said it didn't do very well it came and went real fast Uh, and then the last one before that was the movie Godzilla 2000 which was released in the year 2000 that was the last time a uh, Japanese Godzilla had been in theaters and that also didn't do very well so
1: it's uh it's interesting. It is. I think that there's probably, well, we'll wait until you watch it. And yeah. I'm curious about some of your thoughts. But yeah, yeah, that's very, very exciting.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I can't wait.
1: Yeah. I also want to give a shout out per use, but our friends over at It's Only a Podcast recently celebrated their 200th episode, which is very exciting. So I want to give a shout out to Christian and Ian because that's very cool. And that's like 200 regular episodes. I know, because they do those side episodes. They they... they're overkills. And what I wanted to particularly shout out is their latest episode is the Top 25 Haunted Houses. And it is such a good episode. And like as it started, I'm like, oh man, I bet they're not going to do this one and this one, I'm not going to say. Which and then they did them so oh there you go yeah and there were some in there that i'm like oh if i were putting together a list i would not have considered that but listening to them talk about it i was like oh yeah that makes total sense yeah so check it out because it's i i really got into them because of their list episodes Mm -hmm. i mean i had like googled like best horror podcast or something and it popped up i loved the title and i started downloading them but like i started with their list episodes like their top 100 horror films which uh, that's was mind blowing to do that they have like top um horror performances top scary faces also like i love i love a list as we know from like joe blow or whatever those things are called um yeah watch mojo watch mojo list watch mojo yeah yeah so check them out and congrats boys yeah absolutely congratulations i know with their
0: uh, all the extra episodes they what they have like 300 in actuality probably a,
1: a ton yeah yeah sure. yeah it's gotta
0: be for sure they've been they got so much content go check so them out. <laughs>
1: much fucking content and just the sweetest guys so smart too like i listen to them and i i'm not gonna say i feel stupid but i'm like yeah, this is smart talk. Right? Like they can really like <laughs> dig into the smallest things. And I'm like, yeah, I'm more of a like, I'll talk about my emotions a little bit. <laughs> hey, that's
0: still valid. That You're is the
1: analytical one of our relationship, yeah, Jeremy. That's, feelings
0: are just as valid as uh, logic in art. So <laughs> that's what I believe.
1: Oh boy. Anything else to share? No, I think that's it. All right, well even though I didn't say this at the top of the episode, um, Jeremy and I love scary movies, and um, we love to share them with each other because we're so different, and there's a lot of films that one of us has seen that the other hasn't. So in these traditional episodes, we will each share a film with the other person, we'll sign it, we'll go away, watch them, and we'll come back and talk about them. So that's what we're gonna do now. Oh, also we didn't have any teragrams this week because we're recording kind of early. But if you want to write to us, Scaring is Sharing at gmail.com or follow us on Insta, slide into our DM Scaring is Sharing. All one word. That's Smashed right. together. Smash it. Smash, <laughs> it, smash that like button. Yes. Rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> cool.
0: Um, I guess I go first in the assignment. You do you time do. too. And I'm gonna do something a little crazy, a little different. <gasps> What, I, what I'm what i going to do is, so, here's a little preamble to this. It's a movie that one of my co-workers, uh, and she's not really, like, into horror movies per se, um, but occasionally, you know, sees one, uh, and was like, recommended this movie to me like, ages ago, and was like, oh, it's this horror movie, you should do it on your show. Uh, and I kept telling her, like, yeah, I want to watch that, I want to check it out, and now it's been forever. But it does have a christmas theme so i decided mm. to hold back on it till around christmas time and so i'm going to assign us this movie that actually i've not seen the whole thing of i watched like 10 minutes of it uh, <laughs> at one point and it looked fun and it's called red snow
1: Hmm. okay
0: and it is from the year i want to make sure i get the year right
1: for you I don't think there's other movies named I was this. I don't know. Say, I d- I doubt there's probably others.
0: But it's from 2021 directed by Sean Nicholas Lynch.
1: So My goodness, 2021, that's so recent.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm going to
1: say it's a zombie film in the winter. Um so all havoc breaks loose and there are zombies in a winter wonderland and there better be a lot of red snow because we've talked about that before, that imagery. Mm-hmm. So how yeah. perfect, how, how suiting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Zombie apocalypse in a winter. Snowscape. Cool. Let's, let's watch this. And I'm going to also give you a Christmas themed film. And it's because my husband mentioned he'd watch this. Oh, so... cool. And your wife probably could. I'm just going to say, okay. And that is, it's a wonderful knife
0: yeah cool okay i mean we've been talking about this it's out it's in the ether i know it's a christmas based slasher movie with that title it's got to be sort of a playoff of it's a wonderful life so i'm assuming it's somebody questioning like their place in life like i wish i was never born and there's a slasher out there happy to oblige people i'm assuming <laughs> so
1: there you go all right well let's watch them and talk about him said, don't you blame the movie's Movies don't create psychos, movies make psychos
0: more creative. All right. So I think my pick was up first, right? That's right. Red Snow from 2021. And on Letterboxd, the tagline is "Seasons Bleedings," which a character even says in the movie. So, but Me we'll too. get to that. Uh, and the description is: A struggling vampire romance novelist must defend herself against real life vampires during Christmas in Lake Tahoe. That's, that's it. P- that's it. That's the description, which is I a mean, pretty pretty much a good summary of what happens, really.
1: Yeah. So this movie started the other night. I tried to start watching it. And like the first five minutes, I was like, oh, dear God, help me. Why? And then I turned it off because I couldn't stand it. Uh And I went away and watched other things. And then yesterday I was like, fine, I'll watch it. And it definitely... Like, I feel like once I started to look at it like a Lifetime movie, like a Lifetime Christmas movie, but then with vampires, it improved greatly. I just at first thought it was just like a really bad, low-budget movie, which it is, all of those things. Honestly, it is, yeah. But it it is like self-aware. Yeah, and it's not without its charm. A hundred percent. It really grew on me. Not to say, like it grew on me, and then like there's a certain point where I'm sort of like, okay, I don't love this as much, um, like certain aspects, which I'm sure we'll get to. But I was surprised that I ended up liking as much for as much as I hated it when I initially started it and thought, why did Jeremy do this to me again?
0: Yes. and I I was like, why did I do this to myself? Why did I go with just a blind rando uh, recommendation here? But I think it worked out because much like you, as I was watching it, I was like, oh, my God. So like. Keep saying like straight up, this thing is like community community theater level acting. Uh, yes. throughout at best that might even be an insult to community theater <laughs> some of the uh performances in this i don't know about um yeah okay uh yeah community theater is strong enough to take it uh yeah it's uh it, it, it's definitely low budget uh it feels a lot like a movie where uh the director and i believe the writer as well of it uh was just like i wrote a thing let's just make it like that's what this feels like like so kudos uh kudos there props there because making a movie is the hardest freaking thing you can do uh making a feature film and actually completing it so they did it awesome and uh yeah yeah it was as it went as it went along it has its ups and downs the acting's not great uh the various actors in this like Their ability varies wildly, I feel, Mm -hmm. between actors. Um, It's always the fun thing to notice that uh, they spent all their money probably getting Vernon Wells to be in this uh, because he's the only, like, actor of note i would say that's in
1: this um he's from like mad max one of the mad maxes yeah
0: he was in mad max he plays the vampire hunter of course the von helsing type character that gets introduced but yeah he was in mad max 2 the road warrior as one of the bad guys um he was the villain one of the villains in the movie commando opposite arnold schwarzenegger so he's kind of like an 80s action you know guy um that I, I it looks like these days does a lot of just kind of indie and low budget stuff which is kind of cool but I'm assuming they probably spent their budget on his salary so
1: yeah so for anyone who's like I don't want to watch this tell me a little bit about what it's about. In a nutshell, there's this woman in Tahoe, as we've established in the summary. A van—I mean, a, a bat flies into her window one night, and it's like wounded. So she takes it into her garage and like is healing it. And the next day, she wakes up, and it is a uh, uh, shockingly. It, it, oh, I have to be real. We're gonna be real right now. Um. So let's do this. We're gonna be real, cause that's what I do. But my camera's covered. Be real. Ah. I bet Christian from It's Only Podcast might be being real at this exact same moment as we are. Uh, Awesome. So she finds this vampire, and he's like healing in her garage. Then there's this vampire hunter she runs into, which is, what's his name? Vernon Wells. Vernon Wells. And then along the way, there's also two other vampires that sort of come into the fray, and they're trying to get their vampire friend back. And that's sort of like the conglomeration of all of those things is what makes this movie. And on top of it, the lead actress, or the lead character, Olivia, is like sort of a flailing vampire Novelist, like yeah. she, like has submitted uh, um, a manuscript somewhere. It did not get selected, uh, which is sort of a motif in our films today. If we were to tie them together, it would be through rejection messages that our lead characters characters receive. Mm-hmm. Um, so where I really liked this movie was in the relationship between Olivia and Luke the vampire. Like I enjoyed all of that. I even didn't mind the Van Helsing ish stuff. His name is Julius in this film. I Mm -hmm. didn't really like the additional vampires. That's where it sort of goes downhill for me.
0: I think I agree because I feel like they didn't add a lot and it was just, uh, that felt almost cliche to bring in the like bad vampires that we now have to fight and create some sort of action. So here's some evil vampires. Like it, that felt kind of tacked on.
1: Like there's this additional group that that Luke the vampire tells her about called the Severon group or something like that, mm-hmm. and that seemed like a more interesting subplot to bring into it. This sort of other agency of folks that were affiliated with Julius the vampire hunter. Yes, knew of him. Yeah, uh,
0: I guess he was part of it. I felt like if that that could get explored more, that would have been a more interesting plot line. Um, Ultimately, this felt like a movie that, as we have said, and Teacher Drew has echoed before in writing to us, it feels like a first draft of something that could be even better. If it had some more money, uh, maybe uh, tweak the script a little bit. I I could see this as like a big, uh, well, not big, but uh, make a bigger splash as like, oh, here's this Christmas vampire movie. Cool. Like, it's almost there it just needs some more money and more uh talent behind it i think
1: and i know i said a lifetime movie i really meant a hallmark movie like yes, a cheesy yeah. like and i sort of wish i would have just leaned into that more like being a campy version of that, like, Mm -hmm. oh, there's this woman who's rejected and doesn't know how to write a good vampire story, falls in love with this vampire. So it sort of takes Twilight, but like makes it more cheesy because the bad acting here sort of works for what it is. Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter that they're not great and that the writing is not great because it just seems a little bit self-aware. Mm -hmm. and the production value is not great but they don't use cgi which is also a nice thing like it seems like all the effects are actually i did read that all the effects are practical so there's like some blood there's a little bit of violence and all of that is not bad cgi which can always appreciate that
0: absolutely there's a cool gore gag uh in the last act of the movie that i was surprised when they did it where i was uh sitting there thinking, whoa, I didn't think they had the money to pull that off from what I'm seeing so far budget wise in this thing. Uh, and then they do that and you're like, oh, OK, cool. They would still pulled off some neat gore gags in there for uh, with what
1: little I'm sure they had to work with. See, on both of our films today, I sort of have, like, ideas on how I think the story could have been better. Uh (laughs) But they're just ideas, you know, who's, I'm not, I haven't fleshed this out, I haven't written a screenplay, so I mean, I know it's not easy, and it's not just about the person writing a screenplay and it getting made, like, it's about people with the money wanting things to go a certain way, I know, a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. But I feel like... If you take out the additional vampires in this film and you have this sort of Van Helsing character that's like in from the get-go looking for this vampire that she's hiding in her garage and she doesn't want to tell him because she thinks he's kind of hot and, you know, she sort of has this like interesting relationship with this, with Luke, the vampire, like, I feel like it would have been the much more interesting story if the Van Helsing character was also in love with the vampire. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Like, you think he's hunting him, but really, he's in love with him, too, and wants him back because he loves him. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. it could have been this, like, twisted love triangle. Oh, and then you are in Lifetime movie territory. A hundred percent, yeah. But then it subverts that, like, what he's hunting him for. Mm Mm-hmm. And also, like, there's this whole scene where she's, you know, because she writes novels or at least this one novel about vampires, like there's this whole situation where she's like asking him about the vampire tropes and he's telling her like, yes, that exists. No, that isn't really how it is. And it would have been more, I I, just, it could have been. Done in a more creative way, like she brings him a spaghetti meal full of garlic, and he just eats it up, like as opposed to being like, "What about garlic?" And he's like, "Oh no, we that doesn't bother us, or whatever." Like she goes through all the tropes, and it just would have been a little more fun had she like come in scared of him with crosses, and he was like, "Ooh, let me wear one," or whatever. I don't, I don't fucking know. Those aren't good ideas, but just not run through a list of them, and him just say this or that or this or that, you know?
0: Yeah, and I did find it kind of disappointing that. He mentions how sunlight doesn't kill them, but it is uncomfortable. Uh, And then he says, oh, it's like being kicked in the balls repeatedly. But later when they put it into action, like he drags, she drags the uh, one bad vampire out into the sunlight and he just kind of like looks around like, ah, my eyes hurt. Like, there's nothing. I feel like you could have done something interesting there to represent it other than him just being like blinking like he needs sunglasses.
1: (laughs) Mhm, I did like the idea, like how they say meat cute, but here it could be like m e a t cute mm-hmm. like that could be like in the tagline,
0: yeah, something
1: about a a new kind of meat cute there's <laughs> a lot of meat and blood in it, and I also really love like because he is naked when he comes to and he's no longer a bat but rather the v- wounded vampire. he's naked, and mm-hmm. so she's like like her mom has like died or something and she's staying in her mom's like. Lake Tahoe house or something. And the only clothes she has for him are her mom's clothes. So that's what he wears. And that is one of the most adorable and like charming things about this movie is him wearing a shirt that says like number one mom or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Like that is like, that's so cute and such a fun, like, yeah, I don't know, like a twist, like a a variation on like the vampire dressed in all black leather, like here he is. And like, you know, uh, a calf, caftan and oh yeah and that, like mom shirt and things like that like it's such a fun subversion on what you think of how vampires should look
0: yeah yeah as opposed to having a cape he's wearing like a house coat the entire time and just yeah he, yes. he's like wearing your grandma's clothes it's just amazing uh and yeah definitely one of the most charming parts of this
1: they also he brings up the notion that once you become a vampire you forget about what your life was like before you were a vampire. Mm-hmm. And I thought for sure we were going to get back into that like whether she's turned into a vampire and she does remember and he's like, "Oh, I just I I didn't I wanted to tell you that so that you wanted to become a vampire so that like, you know, I so that you would forget the the life you had of being a rejected novelist or whatever. Like I mm-hmm. thought there'd be something more with that that would flesh that idea which is a little bit different than any sort of vampire tale we know of. Like you always they always seem to remember what they were like before, mm-hmm. you know, if they were a turned vampire as he mentions. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I I was shocked that I enjoyed it as much as I did. It is like 80 minutes it Mm -hmm. still feels like it's a little too long but again i can imagine some producer somewhere is like it has to be at least 80 minutes Mm -hmm. probably (laughs) i hate the poster yeah the title's fine because i love the idea of blood and snow Mm -hmm. and we do get that like in the beginning um -hmm. but i I, the posters just got awful like i wish it was just more of like a cheesy riff on like the twilight poster
0: yeah Yeah, the poster we have screams of just uh,
1: straight-to-video clip art. It did remind me, we did um, this play called Speech and Debate forever ago, like many, many moons ago, over 10 years ago, and the lead actress in it, Katie, who I, I have not seen her probably since then, she also wrote gay vampire fiction like not lesbian like gay men va- as vampire fiction and her her um her handle or her pseudonym was Jane Bled like Jane Doe but <laughs> and Bled like I bled out Jane Bled and I I meant to like look it up before we started to see if she's out there in the world still writing gay vampire yeah. fiction but this movie reminded me of her <laughs>
0: Does she have a vampire in her garage that she's giving advice from? Maybe maybe she
1: wrote this. Maybe she is really that that writer director, and it's just another pseudonym. Could be. I think this was like his first full length film. I think I read somewhere. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what happens from here. But yeah, I would imagine this was made during the pandemic or something. Like since it came out in twenty twenty one, I think so. I think it was. But let me say this, I've watched a lot of bad Christmas horror movies in the last couple of weeks. This uh-huh. is not one of them. It's, it is a good bad. It is somewhat self-aware. You can have a little bit of fun with it as long as you're not like, I want to watch something scary or I want to watch something super well produced, you know, like yeah. with a big budget. Like it isn't those things, but it can can be a little bit fun.
0: Yeah, ultimately, when it was over, I sat there thinking, this feels like a really good student film. Like, it feels like the quality of what I was used to watching in my film classes, but clearly the director has talent. Because, you know, it came out as a cohesive thing, uh, as opposed to just being a mess, (laughs) so many student films can be. So yeah, it felt like a really good student film, is what we're looking at. So I think it it could be a good indicator of uh, this guy going on to do some other cool stuff.
1: And I liked the lead actress Denise Cisneros. Mm-hmm. Um, she in the movie, and I imagine probably in real life is Latinx, and I enjoy that. Oh yeah, it says that she is a first generation Mexican American, so we love that. She has just like the biggest doe eyes in the entire world. Um, so yeah, she's really I, I think lovely, and yeah, I-, yeah. I enjoyed her very much.
0: I think she carries it the entire thing, and it's. Uh, they lucked out getting a, a a lead actor who, she's probably one of the best actors in this
1: thing, so. Yeah, the guy who plays Luke is kind of, I'm not going to say bizarre, but he's unique looking, but he definitely fits a sort of Edward from mm-hmm. Twilight sort of vibe. Not like dark like him, like he's a blonde guy. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so yes, pleasantly surprised with this film. Just yeah. wish it could have leaned a little bit more into everything that it. I think it was going for, but I again, who knows where the people with the money were like, no, it needs to be more of this, and we need more vampires or whatever.
0: Yeah, more. But of I this, could have gone less with a
1: singular vampire and had some more fun with their relationship. Maybe turn her into a vampire, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, would yeah. have been. I could have gone with some different directions with it, but overall, not too yeah. shabby yeah fun
0: surprise ultimately yeah, yeah if you can make yeah. it through the beginning where you're like oh my gosh this thing is so low budget and uh cheesy but as it works its magic i i found myself highly amused so Agreed. um unless you have anything else to add i guess let's rate this thing i have nothing more to add so out of five candy elves how many what do you give it? What the fuck is a candy elf?
1: <laughs> best line in this film, for yeah, sure. Yeah, best line. How many do you give it? I give it three candy elves. <gasps> me too. I was, <laughs> I was
0: teetering on the brink of going slightly less, but I was like, no, this thing made me laugh out loud too many times. So, uh, again, as we said last episode, in the spirit of giving, in the spirit of the season, <laughs> I'll give it a decent score. So,
1: Yep, and there you have a... Of approval. Surprise scare of approval. That's right. All right. Well, let's move on to the film that I gave you, which is It's a Wonderful Knife from mm-hmm. this year, only weeks ago, came out upon the shutter directed by Tyler McIntyre. The tagline on Letterboxd is this Christmas, your wishes will come true and your nightmares too. Winnie's life is less than wonderful one year after saving her town from a psychotic killer on Christmas Eve, when she wishes she was never born. She finds herself magically transported to a nightmarish parallel universe with the murderous maniac. Now back, she must team up with a misfit to identify the culprit and get back to her own reality. So Jeremy, what did you think of it's a wonderful knife?
0: I thought it was cute meets cute yeah that was my main thought i was like i liked the i liked all the kids in this they seemed fun um you know it's a it's a slasher twist on it's a wonderful life uh just just this was another one i was pleasantly surprised because as it started going this felt like it could go you know south quickly as <laughs> say like all right went straight to streaming it's just this quick you know indie kind of movie that got released uh but i rather i rather enjoyed it um one of my big takeaways from it though was i would have loved to have seen this as a double feature like at the theater with thanksgiving like that's what i kept thinking was like this would have been awesome to have like thanksgiving and it's a wonderful knife uh if anyone out there is programming double features do that for the holidays uh because they just feel like ooh, they fit nicely together as these fun uh holiday themed slasher movies just quick and simple and cheap and easy um and i really love the idea of because there's so many holiday themed slasher movies okay bear with me for a second uh and everyone's trying to rip off halloween yeah but but Halloween, you know, Michael Myers is such an iconic character design. Uh Eddie fits because he's wearing a Halloween costume for a movie set on Halloween so many of these holiday slasher movies, like they don't even try to do a gimmick. Like look at blood rage it's set on Thanksgiving and it's just a guy killing people like not even in a costume. Uh, And I feel like they often go for that. But now we have these like Thanksgiving, it's a guy dressed as a pilgrim killing people. You have, it's a wonderful knife. He's dressed as a uh, Christmas tree angel or designed off of a Christmas tree angel. And I'm like, I just think that's clever character design that so many slasher movies just don't even seem to try. They just want to rip off, you know, put a hockey mask on them, you know, try and rip off that sort of thing instead of coming up with a clever what's a thing related to the holiday we're invoking, like maybe go that direction. And that seems to be working right now. So
1: it does. And while, of course, this film wouldn't be around without Halloween, I feel like both Thanksgiving and It's a Wonderful Knife are more directly seem to be riffing on Scream.
0: Mm, Which, of course, wouldn't
1: probably be a thing without Halloween. But it is a little bit more of, even though here it's not as much as in Thanksgiving, but that's sort of like, who's the killer behind the mask? Mm -hmm. Whereas Halloween, we know from the get-go who it is. And here, more so in Thanksgiving, it's a little bit more of that mystery, right? Yeah. I, the thing, so watching this a second time, it flew by pretty much for me the second time, which like our previous film, this is 87 minutes. So Mm -hmm. we're talking under an hour and a half, especially like pre-credits. But the thing that really stood out to me the second time is I don't fully love and get behind the transporting into the alternate dimension. Like here, she unmasked, she. Some the killer comes to a party and kills a bunch of people at this party, and then she kills the killer. We find out who the killer is, and then we jump to a year later, and the like her life is bad now because her parents love her brother more, and because the killer's brother bullies her into you killed, you know, my brother. Mm -hmm. And that's like really what sets her off into this. I wish I was never been, I wish I had never been born. Mm -hmm. I I think there's a stronger option there. I don't fully know what it is, but as opposed to say, like, you know, killing the killer that she doesn't, isn't able to kill the killer, and a year later the killer still hasn't been unmasked and she knows who it I don't know. I just think there's something stronger than her parents love her brother more. And the killer's brother is mean to her. Like, I don't, that doesn't seem like enough to project where we go.
0: Like, maybe there could have been her family exploiting uh, her killing uh, the killer in some way that, you know, showed that they were, like, profiting off of it or or something that made a little more sense in lieu of, you know, what we had just seen. Uh, That why she would be so upset that uh, her family, like, has moved on and doesn't care about this traumatic thing that happened a year ago. Uh, yeah, I feel like there's something there, like something tighter. Yes, uh, or even that would as make I'm more
1: sense talking through it because the big thing that happens in this alternate alternate dimension, which you find out early on. So, spoilers. Yes, if you're gonna go watch this, maybe you don't want to hear this, but it is not a big spoiler. She finds out right away in this alternate dimension that her brother actually died because she was never born, when in reality, her brother lived at this party, but her best friend got killed. I feel like if she had had the choice in the reality of the first party, right? The first, when the killer first attacks, if Mm -hmm. she had had the choice of like saving her best friend or her brother, and she'd done something to save her friend and therefore her brother died and a year, and then she still kills the killer, but a year later, her parents are holding her brother's death against her and she, you know life is miserable and she's depressed because everyone blames her for the death of her you know superstar athlete brother or something like just the fact that the family was just like loved the brother so much and like that just like made her so upset like that mm-hmm. just doesn't i just didn't buy that that's a reason enough to not want to live anymore like i feel like and i haven't seen it's a wonderful life but like the family is like You've ruined our lives. You have made our lives miserable. So he goes to like jump off a bridge. Something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like here, that's not the case. The family is alive and thriving. She's just sort of in a, a negative place because her life hasn't gone all great. And I just don't like that. doesn't vibe with how it's a wonderful life. The idea of what I know of that movie mm-hmm. is here. And I know we're probably not wanting to go as dark with like her actually wanting to like kill herself. Like we don't want to go that deep and dark into suicide because this is a horror comedy. But I still feel like it needs to have a stronger motivation to get us into the alternate universe. I also don't love that in the alternate universe, the killer is alive and just kills all the time. Like, I don't know. I don't love that. I also, again, I know, like, I have the great ideas for how this movie should have gone. Yeah. But, like, if the killer hadn't been killing all year round, but rather we are a year later in the alternate universe, and the killer comes back, like, Mm -hmm. so that it's just happening again, as opposed to everyone just being like, well, that's the life we live now, just a town where the killer kills occasionally. And the town's also, like, brainwashed.
0: Yeah, that that was a thing, like... That was like
1: kind of, comes out of nowhere at the end.
0: There's some kind of like evil magic going on. I think it all ties into the whole like aurora borealis thing where she that cat, Yeah, like I think that's just a magic wand. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> like they're just like it's magic. That's why everything's happening, and that's why he's so powerful. The bad guy. I think it's just supposed to be a. It's just magic. <laughs> Christmas okay. magic. That's that's the takeaway I got from it where I'm like, "Oh, okay, that's their simple way out of this." They're just like, "Oh, by the way, there's this weird anomaly that happens that can make people time travel to like other dimensions." And yeah, I don't know.
1: And let me say this movie is queer as Christmas, which is something my friend Preston used to always say. And this is like my husband at one point, before we even get to the end, turns to me and says, is everybody gay? Like from in and out with Joan um, Cusack, uh-huh. is everybody gay? Cause it, I mean, everybody in this movie is fucking gay, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is great. I'm all for it. So that is like a big plus to me is how queer this movie is.
0: Oh, also, this movie had a weird moment where it made me, you know, confront my mortality in that I realized where I was like, I'm getting old because Joel McHale plays dads now. And I'm like, he always used to be the, you know, like, hip, snarky, cool guy and everything. Now he's a dad. (laughs) I'm like, oh, God, he is that old. Like, it's that was just, uh, you know, it. It got all up in my face and I didn't like that for being confronted with that reality.
1: So he is daddy.
0: But I do love Joel McHale, so I do too. Yeah.
1: I feel like he's not used to his full potential here. I feel like Mm-mm. the best of him being used to his full potential is like the infomercial at the part of the like the the second like the mm-hmm. the second year round. Like that's the most Joel McHale we get. Not that he always has to be Joel McHale, but like but he plays that so well. So yes. you want a little more of that. So Yeah, there's just things that happen in the alternate universe. I just I I don't feel this is nearly as successful as Totally Killer or Freaky or Happy Death Day in regards to a reboot mm-hmm. of uh, a a film trope that is mostly known for like comedies you know yeah, and
0: turning it into a horror yeah exactly slasher like, movie, turning it yeah. into a
1: slasher like this is the least successful in that execution but i don't feel like it couldn't have been done i just feel like it needed to have been done better
0: yeah uh i did notice too the director of this was one of the writers on five nights at freddy's so yeah he's having sure a good year was.
1: Um, and, like, Catherine Isabel is fine in it. Like, I love her. She... Oh, she's a little much, though.
0: Yeah. And also another one that I'm like, oh, I guess we're aging, too. Where Now she's oh, yeah. the aunt.
1: Yeah. The queer aunt who, in the alternate universe, her girlfriend just doesn't exist, and we just don't mention her.
0: Yeah, like, what happened I, why there? Why not say,
1: like, oh, she's one of the victims of the killer. Yeah. The killer's killed 26 people in the year, or in this alternate universe, but, like, That that's the perfect opportunity to add in a layer of she was killed, but she's just not there. Mm -hmm. And we don't know why. And I'm sure that may be on the cutting room floor somewhere. But Mm -hmm. and that I really love that actress who plays her girlfriend. She's um one of the leads in influent influencer or whatever it's Mm -hmm. called. Mm -hmm. Yeah, other film that you haven't seen, right?
0: No, I have not seen that. Yeah,
1: that's a good flick. And she's the lead in that, and I love it because she's gorgeous. She has this very a beautiful, unique birthmark on her face. And I just, I love that she's out there working the world. I love that. I mean, we talk about representation and if Mm -hmm. I were someone who had a very unique birthmark to see someone like her in a film, I would just be like, it would give me such, such, I don't know, joy, perhaps Mm -hmm. to see someone very much like me out there living and working, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like you can do
1: anything. Yeah, everyone
0: can do anything.
1: That's exactly right. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's fun. There's some fun kills. I think some of the sequences are great. Justin Long, it's so amusing to me that he's made such a go of it lately, of being such sleazebag characters when he just seems like the nicest guy ever.
0: Yeah, and he's like horror movie king now, you know? He's a scream king, apparently, because he seems to have made this career shift to being like, Like, you know, he's had a few horror movies over the years, but there seems to be a real concerted effort towards this is what I do now. Like I'm doing these indie like horror movies and uh, and fun. Like this year he was in Goosebumps on Disney, uh, one of the leads in that and this movie. And just last year or two years ago, Barbarian. So it's like. Yeah, keep him coming. (laughs) And he works. He works it.
1: And I really like the lead girl, Jane Whittup. I think she's great as Winnie. The second sort of lead, Jess McLead or McLED, Mm. she plays Bernie slash weirdo as they call her a lot of the time. She's very much Willow from Mm -hmm. Buffy, like a very Willow character. Like that character wouldn't exist without Willow, for sure. (laughs) For sure. And
0: I liked Bernie. And I liked Willow because that's the type I fell into in high for school. For sure. Yeah. I was a weird kid. So I like these characters.
1: Yeah. And I liked her. I like, again, a little less like second go around, but I really, I really like Winnie. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, overall, again, it's like I s- felt some harsher, more harsh criticisms come into play my second go around. Mm hmm but I still think it's a good movie and I would watch it again and recommend it to people.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I love the character design for the killer. Like, it's just cool and I think it's understated but unique enough at the same time, which is like the perfect balance, I think, for a slasher movie villain because you want it to be memorable but not too complicated or over the top in that then it becomes silly, so.
1: Yep. I agree. I'm still confused how the mask works, like just in regards mm-hmm. to how you see through it. But I know that masks like that exist. Yeah, so similar there you go. to that. Like I think you yeah. see them in like The Purge and shit like that. Yeah, it's like a plexiglass or sort yeah, of. Yeah, but like, how do I fucking see through it? That's what I'm confused by. It's like one one way tinted. Okay, uh, I you think say so. Sure. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else to say about "It's a Wonderful Knife"? No, I think that's it. Great title, by the way.
0: Yeah, the title. I was gonna say. Also, the title is just phenomenal. Was
1: it built around that title? I I bet it was.
0: It has to be because you say that, and you're like, "That's awesome." Just like I, I just had a Facebook memory uh, of a a friend of mine from years ago sent me a, a movie title idea with for a Christmas, an Alien Christmas movie. That would have been called Claws Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm. And I'm like, there you go, pun
1: titles are just amazing. So, Oh yeah, they can sell it, for sure. All right, well, out of how, and out of how many, out of five candy canes through your mouth hole, how many do you give It's a Wonderful Knife?
0: I'd give it a solid three.
1: <laughs> you know what? The first go-around, I gave it a three and a half on my letterbox. I took it away, so you wouldn't see it. And this time, I'm giving it a three. Oh, well, there you go! It's another. another! Scare of approval. Scare of approval. <laughs> I think this is the exact same as last week, Jeremy.
0: Yeah, it is. It's exactly the same, we're just like... <laughs> Virtually the same. No, I gave Violet Night* three and a half. Though. Oh, you did, you did, you yep. did. I upped so the ante a little bit. Had to stay
1: with my three and a half, then we would have been but exactly I gave three the across same. The board last week too. Yeah. So. so
0: here we go. Just we're we're they're decent Christmas Fair movies. They're middling. Yeah, middling Christmas horror movies. We're giving you. Yep. That's but, right. But they're fun. You know, throw it on while you're having your Christmas party, and uh, you know,
1: do it. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd love to hear from you so write to us scaring sharing at gmail.com or slide into our dms on insta scaring a sharing oh. that's right so hit us up we love talking to you we love um that you listen happy holidays we'll have one more episode before we take a little breather and then we'll be back um, after that with our 60th episode or, I mean 160 160 yeah. it's a little different than 60 yeah 160th oh, well. I can't believe it yeah I know so stick around we'll be back yeah and remember the power of Christ compels you <laughs> who gives a fuck about movies and keep watching and talking about scary movies because scaring is sharing bye scary.